Hello, I'm Dr. Dwayne McKee from Adventist World Radio President. Welcome back to Earth's Final Countdown. Remember, this is a continuation of our Cami series, Unlocking Bible Prophecies. Tonight, this evening, we have an exciting topic for you. Did you know there's a lie in the Bible? That's right, there's more than one. It's exposed, though. We're going to expose something that's critical, a cover-up in God's Word for today. You're going to be so, so excited as you listen, as we study God's Word and see how God exposes this cover-up. Welcome back, friends. We are going to get right into God's Word and see what prophecy says about the day and about a great cover-up. Last time, as you remember, we looked at a relic discovered in the book of Revelation. Now we're going to continue and study that a little more and see how there's been a cover-up to try to hide what has happened in history. You'll be surprised and excited at the same time. If you have questions, if you have prayer requests, please text us at 224-222-0777. 224-222-0777. And if you have WhatsApp, just use that, plus one, 224-222-0777. By the way, if you would like, just put the word steps under prayer requests. You can also put steps. And I'm going to send you by through, through, the, through the internet a book called Steps to Christ, the best book that's ever been written about knowing Jesus as your best friend. So just put steps, S-T-E-P-S, in your text to us when you text 224-222-0777 or plus one with WhatsApp, 224-222-0777. Blessings to it and let us pray together as we study this important topic for our time today. Father in heaven, we love you so much. As we pray, we invite you into our hearts and into the Word. Help us to have clear understanding. Help us to know exactly what you would have us to know about end-time events as we look at Bible prophecy. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. As I mentioned, the last topic was a relic discovered in the book of Revelation. Uh, the next topic is when the whole world wanders. Wow. Also, we're going to go to prophecy as we look at that very important topic, when the whole world wanders. It's an amazing prophecy as we go again into the book and understand what God says for our day. Puzzle pieces, God's kingdom will be the only one, the only world order that will last forever. You're hearing all kinds of stuff going on. I just was reading in a magazine about, wow, things that people are planning to do and connections are making. We'll talk about more of that next week. Also, prophetic signs tell us God's kingdom is soon to come. The climax of the battle of of Armageddon takes place when Jesus returns. The star of the drama of Revelation is Jesus, the faithful witness, the Lamb, the King of Kings. The villain of the drama of Revelation is Satan, the old serpent, the devil, the dragon. Satan is dead serious, but God has a plan. He's dead serious about saving us. I want to be on Jesus' side, don't you? The three angels' message is the everlasting gospel. Uh, the judgment, the fall of Babylon, worship of the Creator, all are in the three angels' messages in the book of Revelation chapter 14. The climax of the battle of Armageddon takes place when Jesus returns, the fall of Babylon, the end of the world, and the seven last plagues occur all at about the same time. We'll keep studying more, more about that. As we talked about before, too, a couple of nights ago, 
Who should be baptized? Well, if you've never been baptized like Jesus, then you should be baptized. If you have been baptized, but you have drifted away and you want to come back to Jesus, if you've learned new truth, then you should be baptized. Put that in that text, too. 224-222-0777. Say, Pastor, I want to be baptized. Pray for me. And we'll get in touch with you. We'll work everything out. It'll be the best time of your life. Nine characteristics of the beast. We've talked about this. The dragon. Who's the dragon, remember? The dragon is the old serpent. is Satan. He gave the beast a, a world power, a religious world's power. His, he gave the beast his power, the dragon's power. He gave the beast his seat. He wages war. He persecutes the saint. Number four, he receives a deadly wound. Five, the deadly wound was healed. We're going to see all this a little later. You'll see it. It's really thrilling and exciting. Six, the world would wander after the beast. Seven, the beast would speak blasphemy. That's claiming to be God. Eight, all shall worship the beast. And nine, endeavor to change times and laws. He'll actually endeavor. He'll try to, we'll see that on this presentation, to change the very law of God. Remember, these, these presentations are all about who? All about Jesus, aren't they? Yes, that empty tomb that's in Jerusalem. Wow, it, it's amazing to go there. I tell you, I'm going to tell you in a few minutes. Just we were just there a few months ago. It's amazing to go there and see the tomb is empty. It's not occupied. All the other world leaders, religious leaders, their tombs are occupied, but Jesus' tomb in Jerusalem is empty. Aren't you glad? Praise God. Very empty. Three things. We're at the end of the book. Most all the prophecies, all the great prophecies in the Bible have been completed. End of the book. The last prophecy, the greatest prophecy of those around the second coming of Jesus, which is soon to come. Secondly, mama's prayers. All of us have mama praying for. I wouldn't be alive. I want to tell you time and again about my mama's prayers, and that's the reason I'm alive. <laughs> I know my mama prayed for me. And I prayed for her. And someday soon when Jesus comes, I'll see her again. I'm so excited for Jesus to come. And God has a plan. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. Rest assured, he has a plan for you. Let me tell you about a story. Remember, uh, not long ago, I, I showed this bent knife. And I said, I'll tell you the rest of the story. A few months ago, Kathy and I were on our way to Israel we went through Jerusalem, not too far from Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. And Jerusalem, the empty tomb, as I just mentioned, and on down to Tel Aviv, the capital. I was to speak there that, that morning. And I got there, and I met Wiesam Ali. Wiesam is a, a wonderful person, a wonderful pastor. His wife, Audrey, is from South Africa. He's from Nazareth. He is from there. He is an Arab pastor in Nazareth. He's part of the largest clan in Nazareth, all Arabs except just a few that we have baptized recently. Wiesam has this incredible story. Back, oh, it's been several years. He was a teenager. He started asking questions about Jesus. His whole family stoned him twice. His cousins who lived next door to his house, where he lives now, stoned him. His father saved his life by asking his older brother to follow him and save him. His father told him he had to leave Israel. He packed up, and through some episodes, he left Israel Ended up going to Bogenhofen, a university, a Christian school up in Austria. Became a preacher. Went to Southern Adventist University and be studying more. And he was called a few years ago to come back to Nazareth with his wife, Audrey, and their daughter to be the pastor of our church there in Nazareth. We have a beautiful center that we 
are creating there. We're going to, going to have an Adventist World Radio Center where we broadcast to that part of the world. We're very excited about that, and Weeson is helping us with that. But Weeson was at the church there in Tel Aviv, and he said, I can't stay long. I have to go to a funeral. Really? Well, what happened? Well, my two cousins were killed in a motorcycle accident. Really? Well, what happened? He said, you don't know the story? I said, no. He said, he said just a few months ago. Remember, these cousins live next door. These are the, the same family that tried to stone him years before. And they had vowed to kill him because he had become a Christian. Wow. And this, this tension with the two families for years has gone on and on and on. One, one early morning, Audrey heard screaming and hollering. Weeson was downstairs and she ran to the window and she saw all the cousins down there. And Weeson saw the family, his brothers, and they were there. The cousins were coming and they said, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. And one grabbed a knife, straight knife, just like this. And they stabbed him right in the back as he had turned his back into his kidneys. But the knife didn't penetrate. The knife bent. It bent. It's stainless steel. Stainless steel doesn't bend. I've had two experts look at this knife. This is the knife. Two experts look at the knife, and they said you cannot bend a knife, stainless steel like this. It will break, but this knife bent. I think an angel's hand was there and bent the knife. His cousin was so, so startled, he dropped the knife and began to run. And as he ran, Weeson's brother, well, you'll see, let me show you the video. You'll love this video. Adventist World Radio is broadcasting to the most remote locations of the world and more than 130 different languages. We've been doing this for the past, well, almost 50 years now, but I've never seen anything like this before. From baptizing rebels and assassins, almost daily we receive news of amazing miracles taking place all around this little ball of mud. Weeson's story right here in Nazareth is an example that especially touched my heart. Being born Muslim, Weeson was taught to hate Christianity. So when his sister decided to become a Christian, he was sent by his family to kill her. But because of a miraculous dream from God, he decided to begin studying the Bible. He soon returned to Nazareth to share his new belief with his family. And his uncle, upon hearing this, became very angry and ordered his stoning. This happened over and over until finally his brother stepped in. Then his father advised Weesom to flee the country. Years later, after his father and uncle died, Weesom's mother invited him to return. He immediately saw an opportunity to share Jesus in Nazareth. So he decided to set up a center of influence where he used the Bible to teach English to his fellow people. We also gave Weesom AWR God Pods, which he distributed among his community. Recently though, things took a turn for the worse, as the sons of his dead uncle found out what Weesom was doing. They too had participated in his stoning many years before, and now rallied a mob and went to Weesom's house to attack him. Weesom's wife, Audrey, heard the commotion downstairs and rushed out to see what was happening. She knew right away that Weesom was in serious trouble and fell on her knees and began to pray. Weesom's brothers rushed to protect him when he was hit with a metal rod, but then his own cousin pulled out his knife and stabbed Weesom. 
but to his astonishment, the knife bent, leaving him unharmed. Wiesem's brother then picked up the bent knife and said, Try again to kill the man of God. As the mob retreated, they threatened, You will not know where or when, but we will kill you. Several months later, Wiesem received a shocking phone call that these same two cousins had been killed while riding their motorcycle. It just reminds me that if God is for us, who can be against us? Wow, what, what a story, isn't it? Amazing, that knife bent. As they were leaving, one of the cousins threatened to cut him. Another one thought, threatened to bash him. Now, this is several months later. Wiesem had gone to the family council and his family and his house. They had decided to attack the neighbor, the, the cousins, the uncle. And Wiesem said, no, God says, be still. I will fight for you. So now, just before this funeral, Wiesem said he got a phone call saying the cousins on a motorcycle came around a corner and hit a car head on. A friend, actually. One of them was cut. Who, this is the one who had said that he was going to cut Wiesem up, and the other one was bashed, the one who had said he was going to bash Wiesem with a club. Wow, it's amazing. I don't know about you, friends, but I want to be on God's side, don't you? <laughs> so one day soon, we look around this old ball of mud and see what's happening. Jesus is coming again. Pray for Wiesem. Pray for us there at Adventist World Radio in Nazareth as we broadcast all the world around there, reaching a large part of the Arab world. Pray that God will bless us as we broadcast the good news of Christ's soon return, as we broadcast truth as it is in Jesus. The truth is so important. That's why we're talking about the world's greatest cover-up. Truth is so important. Can you imagine changing the very law of God? I, I just read a little story. It happened a few years ago. In America, Americans love to play baseball. That's their thing. This this baseball coach, he'd been a coach for years. His name was John Scolinas, and he was he was at Grand Ole Opry with a bunch of coaches, four thousand of them. They were having a big reunion. He was giving this speech, and he came out with a home plate. The home plate is where you where you throw the the ball over, and you have to get it across that plate. And he asked the coaches, he said, "How big is a home plate?" And they said, "It's seventeen inches." How big is it in Little League for the children? It's 17 inches. How big is it in high school? It's 17 inches. How big is it in the minors? It's 17 inches. How big is it in the major leagues? New York Yankees, it's 17 inches. He said, well, what if, what if you have a really good pitcher and you're in the World Series in the major leagues but he can't get it across. When he throws that ball, he cannot get it across home plate. What would you do? Would you make the, maybe you can make the home plate bigger, maybe 18 inches, maybe, maybe even 20 inches. Can you do that? No. <laughs> That's why the home plate is. It's 17 inches. You don't change the rules. In the same way with God, he's given us 10 commandments. They're not 10 suggestions, they're 10 commandments. They're, it's like a hedge he's built around us to bring us happiness and joy and to remember that, to remember us, to remind us that he is our creator. Wow, can, can you imagine a God like that? He loves us so much, he wants to protect us, so he gives us these 10, ten rules, 10 commandments. We, we can't change them to make, maybe I'll just change this one. No, <laughs> you know, maybe I could, I could steal just a little bit. Maybe I wouldn't kill much. No, no, what's wrong is wrong. What's right is right. 
And so we're looking at a cover-up. You've heard of cover-ups in governments around the world and things that people have done, maybe even in local city councils, local police departments, they try to cover something up. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. No, that's, that's not God's way, is it? Not at all. So let's go to the Bible. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. That's the words we say each night because it's all about God's word. This is God's word. It's his word to us. It's like love letters to his children because he loves us so much. He wants to tell us what's going to happen in the future, and he wants us to, sh- to reassure us that he loves us. He died just for us. Had you been the only sinner, yeah, we're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Had you been the only sinner on the face of the earth, Jesus, the Son of God, would have died just for you. Can you imagine how much love that is? If it's in the Bible, that's why I say that all the time. I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. That's, you know, God makes many things holy. We know that his name is holy, that his, the Bible is holy, the Sabbath is holy, the tithe is holy, our body is holy. When we honor what God makes holy, we receive his blessings. I want his blessings, don't you? Let's kind of rewind now and talk just for a few moments about the previous sermon on the Sabbath. Sometimes there's just a big confusion in the world. As you know, people fight about this. They shouldn't fight over the Word of God. They should just read the Word of God. It's very clear to them. But they have these arguments. I should go to church on Friday. I should go to church on Saturday. Or I should go to church on Sunday. Look at all these people who have these big Sunday churches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're going to look at that. But to understand clearly, we're going to re- kind of rewind and go back through it again. Revelation 1.10 I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It doesn't say which day of the week. It says the Lord has a day. One day in seven is his day. It's very clear, isn't it? However, it doesn't say which day. Matthew 12, 8, Mark 2, 28 says also, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So the Lord's day is the Sabbath. Same day. He's Lord of the Sabbath, and it's the Lord's day. The Bible makes that very clear. Now, Exodus in the Ten Commandments Chapter 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Verses 8 and 9, right in the heart of the Ten Commandments. This is the fourth commandment, actually. Well, that makes it pretty clear. The Lord's day, the Sabbath, is the seventh day according to the fourth commandment. It all comes together. It makes it easy. You know, the Bible explains itself. It doesn't have to be hard. If you keep reading, and it says line upon line here, a little and there, you put it together, it just makes a lot of sense. I grew up in Oklahoma, and I used to help my dad build fences. And you, the way you do that is you, you, you put a post down, and, and then you, you go out some distance. Sometimes if the land is flat, you can go up to, oh, an eighth of a mile or so, quite a ways, and put another post. Then you string a wire between the two posts, and then you can line up all your posts, and you have a perfectly lined up fence. The Bible says, study here little and there with little, line upon line, and you put it all together, and you can see truth. It all comes together. God's word explains itself. Isn't that exciting? The Lord has a day. Here it is. The Lord's day is the Sabbath. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. Well, did you know there were only two times when God wrote with his own finger? I mentioned this to you before, but once when Mary, the woman who was caught in adultery and sin, was cast at the feet of Jesus, Jesus began to write in the sand. 
And the, all those who were accusing her ran away. And he said, where are those who now accuse you? And she looked up and around. They were gone. She says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said the wonderful words, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Wow, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Right in the heart of the commandments. Right in the heart of the commandments. God wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger. He wrote, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He wrote, thou shalt not commit adultery. He wrote, thou shalt not steal. He wrote the Ten Commandments with his finger, his own finger. It must be important. Otherwise, God wouldn't have done that, right? So Sabbath is a, is a memorial of creation. That's what it goes back to. God created the earth in six days. It, it, it's just amazing. This is God. He speaks and it's done. He didn't need six days. He didn't get tired. <laughs> no, it's God, the creator. But he took six days because he wanted to give you and me an example. That's why he said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy for in six days. Remember. He kind of, I, I think he knew we might forget. <laughs> so he told us to remember. Remember, God created the, the world in six days and rest of the seventh day. Genesis 2.2. 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Wow. He rested the seventh day. Which day? Which day? Well, how, how can you know for sure? People say, well, yeah, yeah, I know that. That's way back then. But how, how, what about today? How do you know? Well, the Bible tells us again. Remember Luke 23, 54. That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. Did you know, I mentioned this last time just as a, as a summary, as a reminder, all the days in the week, all the days in the week, none of them have names. <laughs> the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, except the day before the Sabbath, the preparation day, the preparation day and the Sabbath. That's true in languages around the world. Wow. All these days of the week have names now. Monday, from it's the Greeks put all these names in, but it's not from the Bible. The Bible is very clear. The preparation day and the Sabbath are the only two days that are named there. Luke 24, 1. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. The tomb was empty, wasn't it? Which day? The first day of the week. We call this Easter Sunday in lots of parts of the world. This is the, the day of the resurrection. Wow, an important day. If Jesus weren't raised, we, our faith would be in vain. It's so important. We're talking about two different things that are extremely important. The creation of the world, that God's our creator, and our redeemer, Jesus, who died for us and rose the third day on Easter Sunday. So we, we know that. We know every year when that day comes around, we know that's the day. So we have no confusion. There's no confusion as to which day is the Sabbath. It's the day before when Jesus rested in the tomb. Remember Luke 23, 54, it's a preparation day. We call it Good Friday. Exodus and Ten Commandments, chapter 20, verses 10 to 11, the Sabbath day or Saturday. And then finally, there is the first day of the week, which we call Easter Sunday. There's no confusion. So no one has to be mixed up and they can say, well, maybe the days were lost. No, the calendar was changed once, but it was in the middle of the week. The weekly cycle, the seven-day weekly cycle has never changed. 
never changed. It's reported that in 350 BC, that's about oh, 2,360 years ago, a long time ago, the great Aristotle, a biologist, he said, he said, you know, he said, spiders have six legs. So for 20 centuries, people believed, and they thought that's true because no one counted. And finally, finally, later, the botanist Lamarck actually counted them and said, no, they have eight legs. <laughs> they're not really, they're, they have eight legs, so they're not really an insect. It's, it's interesting. Remember I told you before that people remember, they, they, they take what mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, on down through the ages, what they said. They never look at it themselves. And so it is with the Bible. Sometimes we, we think, well, it must be true because mama went there, grandma went there, great-grandma went there. Maybe it's true. Maybe. <laughs> so we just continue on and on and on. There are scientific reasons, as we have said before, for the year. Why is that? Well, you, you know, it's, it's, the, the year is we're, we're moving and we move around the sun. The earth does, and it takes about 365 days, maybe just a little more. That's why we have leap year sometimes for us to go all the way around the sun. Why do we have a month? Well, you say, because the, the moon is turning. It looks like it. We're, we're turning. The moon goes around the earth, and it takes about 30 days. Well, what about a, a day? Why, why do we have a day? Well, that's pretty easy, too, isn't it? Because we're spinning. Somebody told me one time the reason they get a headache every day is because we're spinning so fast. Well, that's not true, of course not. You know, the earth is turning, you don't realize it, and it takes about 24 hours for a day. Well, why do we have a week? What scientific reason is it that we have a week? Look, look on Google, check it out. Well, the, the, people have all kinds of theories. The only one that's true is what the Bible says. If you go to God's word, God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested the seventh day. Simple as that. Wow. So Sunday worship. Why? I, I, oh, yes. I, I, I wanted to just show you another picture of an elephant. Maybe some of you didn't see that last time. And maybe you were thinking, I, I'd like to see a picture of an elephant. Isn't, isn't that a beautiful elephant? No, no, no. It's an What? You're saying it's not an elephant? Sure, it's an elephant. It's not? Well, what is it? A zebra? Yeah, it is. <laughs> you see, you can call a zebra an elephant as long as you want to, but it's still a zebra, isn't it? <laughs> you, here, here's what an elephant looks like. He was charging us in Shelby National Park in Botswana one time. <laughs> he was mad, <laughs> and I was scared. <laughs> you can call Sunday the Sabbath as, you long, as long as you want to, but it's still the first day of the week the day of the resurrection. God didn't tell us to worship him on the first day of the week. No. Revelation 12, 9 tells us, so the dragon, that Satan, was cast out of heaven, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. About a third is what the Bible says. Isn't it logical then to think that Satan, the great deceiver, would attack the law of God, the very law of God? Isn't it logical that Satan, the great deceiver, would attack the creator by challenging the symbol of creation? The symbol of creation is the seventh day, the Sabbath. That's what the fourth commandment says. So who changed the Bible Sabbath? Not God. Malachi 3.6, for I am 
the Lord, I change not. Who changed the Bible Sabbath? Well, Jesus didn't. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who changed the Bible Sabbath? Not the disciples. No, but Peter and the other disciples answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Acts 18, 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So they went to church on Sabbath. Who did it then? Well, in the book of Daniel, it makes it very clear as we are going to look at just a little more careful. Daniel 7, 2. Daniel spoke saying, In my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Thus, he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth. So this fourth kingdom, remember this is Daniel chapter 2. Go back and watch the first one. If you didn't watch that, that presentation, it'll fill all this in from Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Babylon's the head of gold. These are the kingdoms in the history of the world. Babylon, the head of gold. Persia, the chest and arms of silver. Greece, the thighs of bronze. Rome, the legs of iron. Divided Europe, the feet of iron and clay. And ten toes. <laughs> ten toes. It's going to be divided up into ten. Wow. All this stuff that you're reading about globalism, all this stuff you're hearing about, about huge economic powers going to Rome and making, making I'll, I'll read that to you one of these days. It just happened. $33 trillion worth of assets put in this coalition with the Pope and Rome. Wow. It's amazing that this is happening in our day. It is. Daniel 7, 7, it was different, this beast, from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And there in his horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, a mouth speaking Papa's words, a human religious power based on man's teachings. A diverse means different, a different one. Political, it's political and it's religious. So what would this power do? Daniel 7, 25, and so intend to change intend to change times and law. Wow. This power would attempt to change the very law of God. Can you imagine that? Daniel 8, 12. And he cast truth down to the ground. And he did all this and prospered. Truth. God is truth, isn't he? It's all about casting what God says, God's word, the Bible, down to the ground. So how did the change from Sabbath to Sunday actually occur? Why Sunday? Well, let me read some things with you here from the Bible Encyclopedia by John Eddy, uh, page 561. Sabbath, a Hebrew word signifying rest. Sunday was a name given to the heathens to the first day of the week because they worshiped the sun. We, we've been to the pyramids outside of Cairo. They go up, up, up because they're pointing to the sun. Coins we have found. Archaeologists have found coins in Israel and also in you know, people were sun worships in Egypt and, and also over in, in Rome and across the, the unknown world. They were sun worshiped. They worshiped the sun. The Catholic world. Now, I'm quoting from different magazines. Some of these are from the Catholic sources. And I just want to say again, during the Dark Ages, there was one church. It, the Catholic means general. There was a general Christian church. It was the Catholic church. This is nothing negative about the Catholics. We have friends who are Catholics. When we live in heaven, we're going to have some who are neighbors. Like I said, I had missionary friends in Africa when we were missionaries there for 10 years, nuns who would be very nice to us and priests and good friends. This is not about 
them. This is about history and what the church did, okay? March 1994, the sun was a foremost god with heathenism. The sun has worshipers at this hour in Persia and other lands. There is, in truth, something royal, kingly about the sun, making it a fit emblem of Jesus, the son of justice. Hence, the church in these countries would seem to have said, keep that old pagan name. It shall remain consecrated, sanctified. And thus the pagan Sunday dedicated to Baldar became the Christian Sunday sacred to Jesus. The Roman Empire was falling apart. Things were not good. Constantine was fighting off these Jewish revolts. The Christians went to church like the Jews did on the Sabbath. And Sunday was a day of worship for the pagans. And so he had this plan and the church adopted it. Why don't all the Christians worship on Sunday in honor of the Lord's resurrection? <laughs> That's where the pagans, the pagans said, great, we'll do it. And so they tried to change it. It didn't work because you cannot change God's law. Remember what we said about home base? It's 17 inches. <laughs> you, can't, you can't change it. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. God's commandments are God's commandments. He gave them to us, wrote them with his own finger, and he expects us as his children to respect them and obey them. Catholicism and Fundamentalism by Carl Keating, page 38 says, Fundamentalists meet for worship on Sunday. Yet there is no evidence in the Bible that corporate worship was to be made on Sundays. The Jewish Sabbath, or day of rest, was, of course, Saturday. It was the Catholic Church that decided Sunday should be the day of worship for Christians in honor of the resurrection. Amazing, isn't it? Remember, the, I talked about this before, the memorial, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is, Romans 6, baptism. So every time somebody's baptized, they, they're being reminded that Jesus died for them. He raised, he, he ascended, he's coming back to save us. Wow, so the memorial, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is baptism. The memorial that we were created in God's image is the Sabbath, Genesis chapter 2, and also in Exodus chapter 20. Romans 6 tells us the memorial of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Romans 6 is baptism. The memorial that we were created in his image and we worship him on the Sabbath as our creator is Genesis 2 and Exodus chapter 20. Kathy last time sang this song. It's a beautiful song. Maybe some of you have heard this two times. It's about a little boy. He would go out and he would sail his boat. He would sail his boat. He would have a great time and one day, this is a boat that he and his daddy made together. <laughs> the wind came up and broke the string and went to the other side of the lake. And when he got there, he found out that someone else had beat him to it. And it was no longer there. And so the next day, heartbroken, he was in town. He walked by a store and he saw in the window of a store a little boat for sale. And he went into the store owner and he said, that's my boat. <laughs> and the store owner says, no, it's not. It's my boat. The little boy says, you do understand, my daddy and I made that boat. That's my boat. I lost it yesterday. And the store owner says, you don't understand. A little boy about your age yesterday came in with that boat. It was so nicely done, I bought it. If you want it, it's going to cost you $10. <sighs> he was so unhappy. He went home and found just that amount of money in his bank. And he came back home, he laid it down, and he says, I want to buy my boat. And so as he's going home, he looks down the boat and he says to the boat, you're two times mine. 
I made you and I bought you. You're two times mine. Jesus says, you are two times mine. I made you and I bought you. The memorial, the fact to remind us that he made us, it's the Sabbath, Exodus 20, 10 commandments, Genesis 2, the creation. The memorial that, that Jesus died for us is baptism, is baptism, Romans chapter six. He's our creator and he's our savior. Isn't that wonderful? He's our creator and our savior. Daniel 7, 25 says, yes, he will intend to, he will think to, he will try to change times and law. So this power in the Middle Ages would endeavor to, it's prophesied, it's in the Bible, endeavor to change the very law of God. Remember the reformers, <laughs> they had two cries, the Bible and the Bible only, and by faith alone in Jesus. Sola fide, sola scriptura. And that's why we said if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. Remember what we said about home base. It's 17 inches. You can't change, you know, no, no, no. Don't try to, you can't change truth. And there's truth and there's error by following God, keeping his commandments, being willing to accept the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and forgiveness of sins. You'll never go wrong. You'll never go wrong. The dark ages, horrible things happen, as we know. The, I've told you about the Bible-believing Waldensians who were burned alive at the stake. They sacrificed their lives because they would take Scripture and sew it into their garments and go into the great cities of Paris. We've been there to the Voudois Valleys, the Waldensian Valley, incredible place to be. But to know they risked their lives, they gave their lives to preserve the Word of God. That's why we say, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. The church and the dark ages change the law. Yeah. The Bible or tradition, what is your God? We have to decide, don't we? The Catholic record says Sunday is founded not on Scripture but on tradition and is distinctly a Catholic institution. You may read, again, Faith of Our Fathers, page 561. You may read from Cardinal Gibbons, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday. Wow. I remember we were in Portland, Oregon, and this came out in, the, in St. Catherine's uh, Sentinel, the Catholic Church of Sentinel, May 21, 1995. It says that perhaps the, the boldest thing, the most revolutionary change the church ever did happen in the first century the holy day, the holy day, the Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday, not from any directions noted to the scriptures, but from its own sense of authority, its own sense of power. People who think that the scriptures should be the sole authority should logically become Seventh-day Adventists and keep Saturday holy. And we say amen. Adventist World Radio is excited to broadcast this around the world. This good news that Jesus is coming again. And God calls us to be faithful and to keep all of his commandments. So what's your guide, the Bible or tradition? Mark 7, 9, these words of Jesus are so special. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your tradition. Is tradition more important than God's word? No, no, God's word. Home base, 17 inches. You don't change it. You don't change it, no. Who is your master, Jesus or the church? Wow. Ezekiel 20, 12, Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbath 
to be a sign between them and me. Well, it's a Sabbath. It's a sign. My Bible tells me that Adam and he kept the Sabbath. <laughs> My Bible tells me that Abraham, and he kept the Sabbath. My Bible tells me that Moses, he kept the Sabbath. My Bible tells me that Elijah, they're hidden in the cave. He kept the Sabbath. My Bible tells me that King David kept the Sabbath. My Bible tells me that Daniel kept the Sabbath. My Bible tells me that Mary kept the Sabbath. Yeah, she kept the Sabbath. My Bible tells me that the disciples, Peter and Paul, they all kept the Sabbath. Paul kept it. John kept it on the Isle of Patmos. All kept the Sabbath. Jesus kept the Sabbath. So you see, if it's good enough, if it's true, if it's right for Abraham and Moses and Elijah and David and Daniel and Peter and Paul and Mary and Jesus to keep the Sabbath, don't you think I should keep the Sabbath too? Isn't that the thing to do? That's what I want to do. It's our choice, the Bible or tradition, God's law or human teachings, Jesus' teaching or human thoughts, divine command or humans, or humans substitute, truth or error, genuine or the counterfeit, God's way or man's way. Mark 7, 9, he said to them all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Revelation 14, 12, here's the patience of the saints. That's you, friend. That's you. God is saying he loves you so much he would die just for you. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. The Bible is clear. Somebody said, okay, pastor, what, what about my Aunt Mary? What about her? She's such a good Christian lady. Wow, what, what about, is she going to be lost because she doesn't keep the Sabbath and, and obey God's law? There's a text. James 4, 17, just for Mary and people like her. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So for the person who knows what's right, they studied the Bible and they studied the law of God, when they know what's right and they do not do it, it's sin. Mary, your Aunt Mary or Uncle Jim or whoever, doesn't know yet. And so it's not sin to them. That's what the Bible says. Oh, you say, oh, no, 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 I shouldn't have come to these meetings. Oh, I, sh I shouldn't have been. I'm going to turn the TV on. Don't turn it off. <laughs> no, just listen carefully. It's truth. And God will help you as you make that about face, as you turn around, as you accept all his gifts, accept his mercy and say, Lord, I want to keep your Sabbath because I love you, because I love you. One day soon we'll say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. Joshua 24, 15. I love this text. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We'll keep the commandments he's given us. Let, let, me, let me go back as we close to Weesom. Yes, he was stabbed, the knife bent. Unbelievable. Those who had threatened to kill him were indeed themselves. They lost their lives. As we work with Weesom and we continue to work there, we have this radio station we're building. Not long ago, a number of us there, Kathy, Cammie, and our film crew and others were there for a wonderful baptism in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized. Yeah, I showed you, I showed you a picture there of that baptism. I, Weesom's niece was there and I talked to her about being baptized. And, by God's grace, she was baptized. There was an Arab boy who was baptized from the Bedouin tribe. Others were baptized, people giving their lives to Jesus, making that about face. My friends, some of you 
are thinking about being baptized. So just just send us a text. Tell Jesus first. Send us a text. Text 224-222-0777. Take take a screenshot of this so you don't lose it. Or if it's if it's WhatsApp, put a plus one and 224-222-0777. Text us and say, I'd like to get baptized. I want to study. I want to learn more. We'll be in contact with you. And by God's grace, one day very soon, you'll be baptized. You'll be baptized just like Jesus. Maybe not in the Jordan River. <laughs> Maybe not like Weesom's family that I baptized in the Jordan River with him. No, maybe you'll be baptized by your pastor in your local area. I pray that as you make that decision, step forward in faith. Don't let anything stand between you and Jesus. So we pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for Jesus who died for our sins. I thank you for the hope that he gives us. I thank you for baptism, which is a, it reminds us, it's a memorial of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Every time somebody is baptized, they're buried, and the, the old man dies. And I thank you, Father, for the fact that you are our creator. We didn't come from some pool of plasma and tadpoles or whatever. We came because you created us in your image. You spoke and it was done. And to remind us that we are your that we are yours. We are your children. You created us. You've given us the seventh day Sabbath. And I thank you for that. Bless us as only you can. Bless all those who have special prayer requests. Help them to know that you love them. In Jesus' name, amen.